Hello, and thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Seeking Stories podcast. We have unintentionally uh, taken, what, two months off at this point, I think? I don't know. So the weekly podcast became, um, what is it, every other month is a bi-monthly, or is that twice in a month? I've looked it up. And I don't remember which one is which. I've heard it both Send ways. <laughs> no. Anyway, <laughs> so the intentional thing we did is spend some time to redo the Seeking Stories website. And um, if you get a chance, go check it out. I hope you, you like it and that it's better from the uh, previous iteration. Um, the second thing was baby number two arrived. Well, and, and you were sick for And like I was three sick, weeks. yeah. So but. He was in the hospital for a couple of weeks, but he's doing well, so... Uh, he came early, so those all those things combined made it so that you know the, the every week podcast turned into wait a minute we missed all of all of November yeah so um, we're jumping into uh, Sleeping Beauty the um, the 1950s uh, film by Walt Disney and I had always grown up thinking oh I've seen this movie we used to go to my aunt's house um, growing up to watch all sorts of Disney's movies on VHS and you know I distinctly remember. You know, always having to sit through um, my sister's choice of Cinderella to get to my favorite choice, which was usually the sword and the stone. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, other cousins were there, and they would get to pick as well. And um, you know, I just you know assume I've seen most of them. You were pretty sure you'd seen Sleeping yeah, Beauty, yeah, yeah. Like, and I, mean, I did I'd, grow up watching it all the time. Yeah, so, so you, you've seen it in and out. And I mean, I know the basic idea of the story, mm-hmm. um, but um, when baby number two is in the hospital, baby number one had an ear infection, so I was home with her, and we were we've been trying to work through a few you know kids movies, and you know, we have we have Sleeping Beauty, so well you know she might she might enjoy this, and of course with her being sick she kind of passed out halfway through it, and I stuck it out and watched the whole thing, and watching it I realized I really don't remember much of this movie, like you know I remember I have a few images that make me think I really did see it, like I remember the dragon at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, the images of the spinning wheels burning. Yeah. I remember that. And that was about it, I think. Yeah. Um, and it just, it really struck me as how, you know, especially for, for being, you know, an earlier Disney movie, um, the plot didn't really grab me the way that, you know, I mean, again, even though I watched Cinderella a ton to the point where I couldn't care you know, less for it, you know, back in the day, cause I watched so many times, it's. It has a good plot, you know, with good characters and characters you root for. And in Sleeping Beauty, I just kind of felt like, like, who am I? Like, I know, I don't know who I'm supposed to root for, but the character of Sleeping Beauty is kind of boring, really, yeah. in a way. I mean, yeah. the whole premise is good. It's mm-hmm. a fantastic premise. Um, but her, you know, the, her character's execution is, is kind of lacking a little bit. Um, for, for me, you know, it's... You, you want to have a reason to root for for the characters. And I feel like, for me, the reason to root for uh, the princess was the fact that there is a curse on her, an evil curse on her. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, even though that's an, an awful thing, you know, that in and of itself isn't necessarily a reason to root for a character. Well, you... you I mean, it... I guess it kind of could be if you've... If it's been established that there's someone you should like. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, they have to be likable and then give them a problem for you to root for them. Because mm-hmm. if it's someone that you hate and there's a curse on them, you're like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, well, and we definitely, and we definitely don't oh, no. hate the princess by any oh, means. Oh, no, 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 no. You no, know, it's, it's just that. Well, and I think and I think part of the part of what in, is supposed to endear her to the audience from the beginning is that 
she starts out as a baby. It's like no one hates a baby. Right, who's whisked away from her family. So we automatically, yeah, you know, say, yeah. well, we have to like her yeah. because, you know, and that's she's, when the curses, she's afraid. You're no, apart from her family. Yeah, and that's when she's a baby is when the curse is, like, it's not activate. It's not active, but it's given. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, it's threatened upon her. And yeah. it's like, you know, a tiny helpless baby who wouldn't, you know. Exactly. No, no, it's a, it's a good point. I mean, the fact that, you know, again, it is to a baby and that's an awful thing. And the fact that, you know, she is taken from her family. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things that makes us want to root for her. Mm-hmm. Again, she's not a bad character by any means. No. It's just that I think that the problem with this, you know, particular story is that we're not given enough time to really get to know her. You know, we yeah. we jump from, you know, her basically being zero years old to, what, the day before her 16th birthday, I think. Yeah. And, you know, we, we hear that she has this this dream about, you know, falling in love and all that. And she goes in the woods and sings a song and meets the person who ends up being the prince, but we don't know it's the prince. And I think we know. We, 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 know, we know, yeah. We know, yeah. The she, audience knows, she doesn't. She doesn't, she doesn't. And then, you know, goes back and then the good fairies, you know, go to surprise her on her 16th birthday and reveal that, oh, wait, you're the princess. And then she gets all upset because that means if she's the princess, she can't marry... This random guy. Is the, you know, the guy in the forest. And that is really the extent of, you know, what we know about her. You know, her personality. You know, who she is, what she likes. Yeah. Who she is as a person is limited to those f- couple of scenes there. Yeah. We, and really, yeah. And really the only thing you get to know, you we know from the beginning when the fairies start to give her the little blessings, we know that she's going to be beautiful and mm-hmm. a great voice. And then we see those. And then the little bit of scenes we see, we see that she's very like sweet mm-hmm. and of course like any good disney princess it talks to all the animals <laughs> yeah um <laughs> in a way the audience knows more about her than she does and that's not entirely entirely true but as far yeah. as what the story needs to know because well, we know we know she's a princess and she doesn't yet we know about we know the what she needs to watch out for and yeah. avoid yeah we know all the things that happened when she was a baby we know who her parents are we, yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> we know who the guy is she met in the forest right right and again but, it isn't a bad thing there's definitely there's a, there's forms of storytelling that do capitalize on the fact of knowing um you know things that the the, the main character doesn't oh yeah yeah and dramatic that's, irony exactly yeah and you know that's again there's also some types of storytelling that go the reverse of that you know we're learning things as the audience is mm-hmm. the as the main character does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so again, done well, any of those you know methods yeah. and modes can can definitely definitely work. Mm-hmm. Just for me, you know, going going back to Cinderella, you know, it's you you feel for her because you know that you know her her parents died and what she has to go through every day and what her well, desires are and, beca- and, all and that. because the story sticks with her every every step almost of the way. every single scene, mm-hmm. not every scene, but almost every scene. Right. Whereas Sleeping Beauty. I mean, even as a baby, you don't actually ever see the baby. You just know she's there, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see, you see the cradle. So. Yeah. You, you might see her face. Yeah. I can't remember. So, I've only seen her... it once, apparently. <laughs> Maybe twice. Yeah. But, but yeah, when she when she's older, you get the scene, like, when she goes out to the forest and sings, meets mm-hmm. the prince and dances, comes back. And then the scene in the castle where she's all mopey and then gets... She pricks her finger, and then yeah, the whole yeah, green follow. glowing light yeah. thing. Yeah, it's like so. Yeah, the ex- so the if you if you uh, divide up the screen time, she gets a whole lot less than Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Most almost any other Disney princess, she has a whole lot less screen time. Which brings us compared. to the point of this particular podcast is <laughs> in, we're going to talk about six things that protagonists have to have. Um, so fact number one, um, 
the protagonist has to have a strong desire that creates the backbone of the story. And really, right. I would say if the character doesn't have this, they're probably not the protagonist. Um, so basically, you know, we, we see the princess, you know, quite early on as a, as a baby Mm -hmm. and we don't really know what she wants. We, we, we know a little bit, you know, she knows, she says, you know, I had this dream about meeting, you know, basically true love in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. Um, but this desire of hers doesn't drive the plot forward from beginning to end by, by any means. It's It's an important snippet in the middle and it culminates in the end with her, you know, getting true love's kiss in a way. Yeah. But it only lasts for about 10 minutes. Right, right. Maybe it's 15 not it's not long enough to or, or powerful enough to mm-hmm. stretch over the course of the the entire mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Well, know. it doesn't even start the movie. Exactly. And it doesn't really have to. You know, think of back to Star Wars episode 4 A New Hope and you know, Luke Skywalker is, is you know, the protagonist. I mean, there's no no question there. <laughs> really? And, and, uh, <laughs> and he, he's one of those characters that, you know, typically you don't want to do what George Lucas did, even though he did it phenomenally well, introduce the protagonist so, quote, late into the story. Mm-hmm. I know it's, he's not really introduced that late. But you do get several, several scenes in before you mm-hmm. meet, meet Luke. And that's something that, you know, Luke has pulled off brilliantly well, but something traditionally you want to kind of maybe not do as much, you mm-hmm. know, introduce him earlier. Um, and again, you know, the princess and Sleeping Beauty is definitely introduced early, but she is talked about and talked, you know, you know, to in a way. Um, we don't get to meet her as the character that we follow mm-hmm. until, you know, many, many scenes in, you yeah. know, nearing the midpoint of the film, really. Uh, um, almost. Because Maybe you, a third. Because you've got the scene mid, where, yeah. you know, basically... And it's not really the day she's born, but the day she meets meets everyone in the kingdom. And the curses is given, and the blessings are given, and all that. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the scenes with the fairies trying to figure out what to do, mm-hmm. and them deciding to whisk her away. Um, and then, you know, we've got a whole long bit of the fairies trying to, you know, get the house ready for her 16th birthday years <laughs> later. And really, by the time you know, we're, you know, if, if I remember, like, pausing the movie to look at the, the time stamp of where we were in it, mm-hmm. by the time we really get to know... The princess, a little bit that we do, it's almost halfway through. And that's just, it's too late to get to know your main character. Fact number two, um, the protagonist's actions have to drive the story and the plot forward. So now we're talking about the actions driving the plot. Right, right. So before was desires, this is very similar. Their actions have to to drive it forward. Um, And, you know, ultimately the movie is about the battle for the princess's life. Mm -hmm. You know, in the grand scheme of things, without, you know, Maleficent putting the curse on, without everyone else trying to break the curse, you know, save the princess and all that, there's, there's no plot. To the story, you yeah, know, it is centered. Yeah. I mean, would you agree about that? Yeah. It's centered on actually, our life. And actually, I would think when I think about all of her decisions, the only decision she makes in the entire movie, I think, that really affects the plot is being taken in by that green light, mm-hmm. being tra- entranced by it and following, because that's what leads her to actually pricking right. her finger and that's like near the end mm-hmm. um or it's you know approaching act three or yeah, near act three yeah. anyway um because i don't think anything else she does really has bearing on, on the plot at she all. she doesn't really do anything she expresses the whole oh, i had this dream mm-hmm. and she dances with the prince and sings whatever you know she doesn't know that anyone is out to get her really no and because of that um, there's really not much that she can do to try to, you know, influence the plot at all, to try to save yeah. her own life. And again, yeah. not to say that's, you know, you know, there, there are definitely movies where 
someone, you know, yeah. someone's out to get someone else's life and the person who's in danger doesn't know about yeah. it. You know, that's, you know, definitely happened in movies before. Um, but yeah, outside of the one random moment where she, it, it, we really aren't given a reason for why she decides mm-hmm. to follow the light at all. It's just kind of a weird. It, I think it's, it's supposed to be something that's kind of supposed to mesmerize her. It's right. almost like a um, hypnotizing. Yeah. That's the word I was yeah. looking for. I think it kind of. I guess you could argue that her. because, you know, she's kind of depressed in that moment. You know, she's more susceptible to that type mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is really her only her only action. So fact number three, uh, the protagonist must react to something which shakes up his or her world and then must choose to, to do something about it. Um, you know, really the... Um, so like an example... So um, in Star Wars Episode Four, you know, Luke's... When Luke's... Um, on Uncle. Out on Uncle. Get You know, get, get killed. killed. You know, that's... His world is shaken up. He's really mm-hmm. given a, you know, a point of no return in a way... Um, to, to say, you know, I'm either going to stay here on Tatooine and do something. forget about everything and you'll know, be a moisture farmer and pick up where <laughs> they left off and all that, or I'm going to go, you know, fight the Empire, learn yeah. how to be a Jedi. And there's, yeah. you know, yes, there is turning back. You can turn back, but that's really a, a quasi point of no return in a way. It's mm-hmm. a lot of people call it the, you know, the, the first step of the journey. It's yeah. really when Act One becomes Act Two. That's kind yeah. of the main, you know, milestone yeah. key key point there. Yeah. Um, and you know, definitely one of the, the the fact that the princess, you know, has a curse put on her and is whisked away, you know, is in in a way for for her in her lifelong journey is a a step, you know, you know, yeah. to to that 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 life that she chooses to well, she doesn't yeah. choose to live it, and that's the point, you know. It's um, she her life changes, but she has no say in the matter. She doesn't even right. know that she was, you know, yeah. you know, a princess until. Yeah. Almost 16 years later. Yeah. So, you know, they the character has to make a choice to either, you know, basically the, follow the call to adventure um, mm-hmm. or not. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you wanted to argue the other side, you, you could say that when the fairies reveal her true parentage and, you know, and royal line and everything and say oh you can't you know you have to forget about that young boy and whatever you know technically she does decide to be obedient and go along and just become all mopey about it and what you just described is actually ironically enough fact number four um which is the protagonist it sounds kind of similar to fact three it's not but i'll explain in a second so the fact four is the protagonist must face either a gut-wrenching truth or life-changing conflict, ideally mm-hmm. halfway through the story, mm-hmm. and then basically redirect their course and take action. Basically, and that's that's what the midpoint of the story is: mm-hmm. the character saying, realizing, you know, how how awful things are in life. Yeah. Or you know, they they stumble upon a truth that you know, oh my goodness, this is what's going on. Yeah. And and that's where really her because she doesn't really have fact three in her life. You know, she she doesn't. She doesn't have the point where she says, you know, I'm going to take this this step in the in the journey. Right. She she does have the moment where she realizes the the truth. Yeah. And this because it's given to her. Right. It's yeah. given given to her. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, really, she she does have that moment. You know, the protagonists have for sure. But and again, not all stories do this or, or even do it well. But good stories have the character choose to do something from there and not become passive. Yeah, um, and that yeah, and that it kind of is more what she does. She decides to just be like, okay, do whatever. I'll right, just be right. sad about it. Yeah, going back to Star Wars Episode Four, and again, the movie. So you know, I mean, there, there's there's many reasons why it's one of the most successful movies of all time. You know, <laughs> this, this podcast episode isn't about that, um, but structurally, it just it's it's a 
it's not, I hate saying textbooks that it makes it sound like, oh, it follows all these rules. And that's not the point of it all. But it just does so many things well mm-hmm. that you can use it to really, you know, see examples in other movies. Yeah. Um, in Star Wars, you know, the, the midpoint is, it's actually not a very strong midpoint, all things considered, you know, compared to the rest of the, the points that it hits really well. Um, but it's really when Obi-Wan dies, you know, for, for Luke. Um, it's not quite halfway in the movie, but it's <laughs> close enough. It's that moment where he, you know, something life-changing happens. Mm-hmm. And he does have that moment in the Millennium Falcon, just a moment where he tells Leia, you know, I, I can't believe he's gone. Mm-hmm. But then he, you know, then Han says, comes in and says, you know, we're, we're not, basically we're not out of this yet. And Luke has to take the choice, make the choice to go and, you know, man a cannon and fight off, you know, TIE fighters and go on and um, continue on the fight. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't dwell on that. You know, a lot of good stories dwell on the, really the, the hardship of the truth they have to deal with and how they overcome that. Mm-hmm. Um, Star Wars kind of glosses through that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it still is an example of someone that says, okay, this is what happened. This is the, the hard thing I have to deal with, and then I'm going to make make a choice. Yeah. And, you know, the princess basically in Sleeping Beauty, you know, has definitely has a moment where she realizes the truth. And that's, you know, probably one of the hardest moments in the movie for her. Um, but she doesn't really do anything. I mean, yes, she goes no. along with the fairies. In fact, her choice is to not do anything. Exactly. Yeah. Which makes it kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry to the princess that your story is boring, but... Well, no, and her story isn't. Her... Well, this... Well, her, her journey. Her journey. Yeah, her actions. Her specific journey is not all that interesting. hmm So, fact number five is... Um, <laughs> all these facts are protagonists dealing with hardships and truths and all that. Isn't um, that life? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Um, so the the protagonist must come to the worst moment of uh, his or her life, um, you know, at least the worst moment of the story at hand. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, you know, over the course of their entire life, but of the story we're telling. Um, then choose to either take what they've learned and go on to victory or reject what they've learned and suffer defeat. So basically, going going back, you know, the, the steps, you know, the, one of the first steps we talked about was, you know, taking the first step of the journey, you know, and then we just talked about um, you know, realizing a truth or a conflict and deciding to, you know, take action. And then basically this is, you know, where really Act 2 becomes Act 3, one of the culminating moments where the character says, okay, everything I've learned, all the conflicts I'm going to, I'm either going to apply this in a way that gives me victory or I am going to be (laughs) stupid about it Mm -hmm. and make this story into a tragedy, ultimately. But the worst thing a protagonist can do at this point in the story is take no action. <laughs> so, Which Kristen, is exactly what what happens in Sleeping Beauty at this point? <laughs> she doesn't do anything. She no, she anything. decides to do nothing. Yeah, yeah. No, she just the only thing she just. I don't even. I don't even know if you can call this a decision because this is more something that you do, that just happens, especially when you're a teenager. You know, you're on the eve of your 16th birthday, and it's just she just becomes all moody and mopey, and that's not really even a decision. That's that's more of a that's more of a failure to decide to do something because it takes effort to mm-hmm. rein in your emotions and and your, you know, mood. And she's just like, she she goes all teenager, you know. Yeah. Well, and she the follows sullen the, teenager. She side, follows that, the, that green light. And it's, you know, it's. Yeah. Yes, it is a choice. Well, but, and he's, but even but even still, you know, you, it, the movie doesn't get so deep as to explain what the green light is and how it works. Well, but it, from, it's not but a from, choice that 
you know, really corresponds with her conflict as far as she knows. Well, no, but I'm but it's saying like I don't even know if you can even argue that so much a choice as she was she's a victim of a manipula a manipulative tactic mm-hmm. that she may not have been able to resist it. Right. You know, and I think that's kind of the point of it. It was a magical hypnotic. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. It's not it's not an active choice that works towards the plot. You know, no. even even the wrong choice will still give us a story to follow yeah. and a character to root for. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't. So last fact, again, there are more facts about protagonists than mm-hmm. this, but these are ones that basic you know, ones. Basic ones. Fact six, the protagonist must face the antagonist in a showdown, preferably an epic showdown. Um, and the showdown doesn't need to be physical. Um, the hero doesn't even need to encounter an exact man- manifestation of their nemesis. You know, for example, in Lord of the Rings, Frodo never confronts Sauron face to face. But, you know, he faces the ring, which basically embodies the Dark Lord's evil, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. his servants his and all power, that. His power, his will. So he, know, he knows who his antagonist yeah. is. He knows who, who he's fighting in mm-hmm. a way. The princess doesn't know who her antagonist is ever, 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 she ever, ever, ever in the entire movie. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess, you know, you assume near the end, because the, the film doesn't really, kind of glosses over this a little bit, but, you know, you, you know that she probably sees Maleficent there the second she picks her finger on the spinning wheel and all that, but, you know, at that point she probably has no idea who she is still. Mm-hmm. So this is honestly one of the, I guess, the easiest facts to kind of check as far as you're not meeting it. She just... She doesn't have a conflict with the antagonist. Mm-mm. You know, the antagonist has conflict with her, of course. Yeah. But, you know, the princess just doesn't know yeah. what's going on. Mm-hmm. And just, that's just the hard thing about this because if... And, and yes, we don't want to strip away the princess, you know, everything who she is and what, you know, audiences over the course of the last 60 years have grown to love about her, but making the story something that it's not by any means. Yeah. But, you know, it would have been a little bit more powerful if at some point in the story she would have learned that, you know, this is this is what's going on instead of making, you know, surprise, yeah. you're dead. Yeah. Or, you know, sleeping. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, all that to say, mm-hmm. Kristen, yes. do you think the princess is the protagonist? No, I don't, actually. So. I do have an idea of, never mind, for something else. Well, let's, let's talk about but, some other options, because the story's got to have a protagonist, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. In theory. Mm-hmm. So... I think we can talk about three to start with. There is King Stefan. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, her father. Right. Yeah, her father. The fairies. And Prince Philip, who is the one that she was betrothed to when she was mm-hmm. born. So, option one is King Stefan. Um, first things first, he definitely has one of the strongest desires in the entire film. You know, his uh, daughter is cursed and hidden away for 16 years to avoid said curse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he desperately does love his daughter, and he has a desire to keep her, her safe. And, you know, we do cut back to forth to him a few times throughout the, the film, and you know, he can't wait for the day that she returns mm-hmm. um, and the curse is broken and all that. So, you know, he, he has a desire that's strong and true and, you know, powerful enough to, to make the plot work. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't really have the other things in the story you know he doesn't you know confront maleficent head on at all because really the the only big scene we even get with him is the one with him and philip's father right which is a hilarious scene (laughs) that funny one um Um, yeah no that's really the only and that scene they're talking about they're actually i mean i think because they're they're assuming that because it's almost her 16th birthday and that's when the curse runs out. Mm-hmm. She's, she's they're kind of assuming soon. they're kind of assuming they're about to 
go into a big celebration mm-hmm. and that the kids are going to, um, you know, be together. And and I think, isn't doesn't Philip's father, isn't that after Philip has gone to his father and been like, I met a girl in the woods and... I think it's I right think, before. I thought it was after. Because well, I thought he was, like, trying to, like, tell... Um, I think he. I thought he was trying to get up the courage to tell the I know other that, guy I know that about it. I'm and, not sure if it's quite at that point. Yeah, but I just yeah. yeah. Anyway, but so still, he he knows the truth from from the beginning that yeah. his daughter's cursed, and this is the way to save her. And he doesn't learn anything else throughout the entire story. Yeah. He doesn't have any other conflicts to deal he, with. He doesn't make any action. true true conflicts he, anyway. He doesn't make any any decisions or action. Take He's any a very actions. lovable minor character. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't side, drive the plot. At he's all. a side character. Okay, so get rid no, of him. He's no, not no. he's not the protagonist. No. So option two, Prince Philip. And I like this option because he's someone who actually confronts conflict, makes decisions, suffers defeat, and rises to vanquish evil. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's even there at the very beginning. Right. As a boy. And here's why, you know, all things considered, I don't think he's the protagonist, mm-hmm. even though he, he, he becomes one of the most important characters. He's the hero. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the one who, you know, vanquishes Maleficent. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's the one who, who saves the princess with the, you know, true love's kiss and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and by beating Maleficent, but yeah. Right, yeah. right, yeah. 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 Final, yes. final moment. Um, you know, he definitely suffers, you know, his own defeats mm-hmm. by, you know, being captured and taken to the prison and then, mm-hmm. you know, face, facing yeah. all evil. Well, and he actually is, he, unlike unlike uh, Aurora, because that's actually her name, um, the whole, with the whole, I met, I met someone in the woods and... You know, they're both they they're both of royal lineage, mm-hmm. and they both meet someone who they think is a commoner, you know, a yeah. peasant girl, a peasant boy in the woods that they fall in love with, and they each are told by their respective parents slash guardians, mm-hmm. like, oh, but you're royal, you can't, you know, right? And Prince Philip, I think, unlike Aurora, who just kind of goes, okay, whatever, he, I think, is pretty. Pretty dead set. Yeah, he's like, no, dad, sorry, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, and that's why then his dad has that moment of like, well, now I have to go tell yeah, her dad. Yeah. Um. So he actually, unlike Aurora, yeah, takes makes his own. Mm-hmm. Really, the only takes problem, his own the, the, on the problem with with why he, I don't think he can be the protagonist, is that even though. You know, he definitely does show up at the beginning mm-hmm. as you know what probably a five or six year old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very very young. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> In his desire to basically, so his desire to save the princess becomes integral to the plot, um, but ultimately that motivation doesn't rise until it's basically much the, too late, the near, near the midpoint, really. Yeah, yeah. So you know, nearly everything else is there. You know, he's the first working. half of the movie is not driven by his desire. No, no. I mean, later on, you know, it's you know the world. His world is shaking when he meets the princess. He faces a reality check to defy, mm-hmm. you know, defy royal tradition and pursue mm-hmm. a peasant girl. All is lost in Maleficent's dungeon, dungeon. He rises to the occasion in battles mm-hmm. for his true love. You know, he has a complete story mm-hmm. right then and there. It just, you know, the first half of the movie, you know, he's introduced, you know, quote, introduced as, you know, a character to follow mm-hmm. way, way, way too late, you know, halfway through yeah. the story. And that in and of itself basically disqualifies him from, from being the protagonist. Yeah. Well, either that or you can say, someone could say, well, he is the protagonist and say, well, then they didn't write him very well. And honestly, <laughs> I, you know, I think that, you know, when they do the live action version of Sleeping Beauty, which they inevitably he will. He probably should be the protagonist. I, I think it'd be, be a phenomenal, you know, story to, to see from to, his from his perspective. Yeah. And who knows, if you're listening to this in, in 2028 compared to 2018, maybe they've done that huh. or maybe yeah. they haven't. Um, so I, I, know, I think, you know, he has a fantastic story. He has an arc. 
Yeah, really, that's the ulti- only thing that's missing. Ultimately, really. it's just you know, it's not. So someone could say if they wanted, if they really wanted Prince Philip to be the protagonist, they could say, "Well, he's my protagonist." Like, well, yeah, they just then the writers left out a really important part of his. Yeah, because there are there are stories and movies where the person who clearly is the protagonist mm-hmm. is still missing that strong desire. Oh yeah, and of it's course. just one of those like you know, well, then the movie's lacking something integral, right, right, to the plot. Usually, most times the movies suffer. It's you know, it's a it's a structural element mm-hmm. in, yeah. in a way, you know, and, and not always. There's movies that follow you know, quote story structure and all that, yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. well. Yeah. You know, to to the T, but have just you know dull, bland, awful characters. Yeah. So you you need characters the audiences care for. You need you know well written mm-hmm. dialogue. You need things yeah. to be structured well. Mm-hmm. You know, if any one of those elements are missing, sometimes you know other stronger parts mm-hmm. can fill in the gaps in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but not always. Yeah. You know, it just it just depends, and that's mm-hmm. you know the the blessing and curse of writing is mm-hmm. just that it's it's subjective in nature. Yeah, in a way. So again, Prince mm-hmm. Philip. Great option, but doesn't cut it. Mm. Close. Yeah. Very close. close. Very close. Option three is the good fairies. <laughs> I love the um, fairies. So, and yeah, of course, they're billed as sidekicks, mentors, and helpers. I think they get the most screen time. I think so. You know, but, you know, could they collectively be the elusive protagonists? Possibly. I don't know. After all, I mean, they're... Pretty, I mean, they have, they're, a, they they're, have they're, a strong desire. And they're pretty good at being sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they have the des- their desire and actions really do drive the plot. I mean, they're the ones that they, I mean, they from the very first are the ones that try to they not reverse the curse, but they have a terribly strong desire to keep the princess safe. Oh yeah, and that permeates throughout the entire film. Oh yeah, I think we take, take that box ac- off. They take act and then they take actions to help that. You know, they take her away in the woods and they take all these precautions and blah blah blah. Right, and then even things like that that. Their decision, because they've gone without magic for all those mm-hmm. years, their decision to suddenly use it is actually part of the reason yeah. they're discovered. and Exactly, you yeah. Know. The, everything they do has influence on the plot. So, you know, they... So you know, those check boxes. Trying to keep, you know, Rory safe, and you even later on trying to help Philip break the spell. You know, mm-hmm. everything everything they do has influence on the plot, for oh, sure, yeah. for better or for worse. Without them, there wouldn't have been this story. Right, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the first two, there we go. First two boxes are checked. Number three is, you know, basically the first step of the story, you know, first step of their journey. You know, their life is shaken. probably deciding to take her to the cottage. Yeah, well, their life is shaken when Maleficent casts that spell on Mm her. Yeah. So, you know, that's a hard decision to, you know, like like you said, Kristen, you know, forego magic for 16 years. Yeah, they gave up their, what's really what they would consider their way of life. Mm -hmm. They went Yeah, hid in a cabin in the woods for 16 years. Right. And in the midpoint of the story, you know, like like you said, their use of magic basically um, causes the princess to be discovered, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And, you know, that's, you know, yeah. r- right around that point. And they, they don't know it at that point that, mm-hmm. that their magic, you know, causes yeah. the princess to be discovered. But it's right at that midpoint where they have to break the truth to the princess that, you know, she's royalty. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a hard moment for her. They have to her. break her heart, essentially, yeah. Yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, number three and four checked off. Um, number five, you know, I think, you know, when the princess, you know, pricks her finger and the curse is fulfilled. So at this point in the story, you know, they could have simply despaired. Um, but instead they provided the prince with the tools that, you know, he needed to help defeat evil. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think yeah. they, they definitely meet that at that point. Yeah. Fact number six. So, of course, near the end of the story, the fairies band together and face Maleficent head on and kill the dragon. Except they don't actually do it. They help the prince. Yeah, that was a lie. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) 
so, I figured you were saying it for, for, to get me to say no. So, um, but I mean, they help out Prince Philip. You know, as they should. You know, they're you know from from the start, the fairies yeah. were never designed to take out yeah. an evil witch. That's not who no. their character is. And in a well, and in a sense, they do kind of they do kind of face off. Not so much her specifically, but when they're helping the prince escape, they're using they're not they're not giving him the tools to face anything. They're actually combating her. Matt, you know what I mean? Like when mm-hmm. they when he's escaping Maleficent's castle, whatever you know, they're the ones that turn the arrows into flowers and they turn the boiling water into a rainbow and yeah. you know all the things so they're they are actually directly combating the tactics used to stop them mm-hmm. um but when it, the one is facing but when it comes off. to actually fighting the dragon they they're the ones that just help Philip. right yeah i mean the, the fairy yeah. characters were, were never as as written were never designed to take out an evil witch you know and that's yeah. a good thing you know their yeah. their role as written is to protect, to show that truth such as love can conquer evil, mm-hmm. and to help others defeat the evil at hand. You mm-hmm. know, our fairies, you know, our beloved fairies, you know, do exactly what they're meant to do, mm-hmm. you know, and the film is better for it. Mm-hmm. But that means they don't... They're like the best characters. Yeah, 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 and we love them. They're Yeah, they are the best characters. <laughs> but that means they don't meet this last checkbox. Mm, yeah. and, you know, and again, just because they don't meet this last checkbox doesn't mean, you know, they can't be the protagonist. It's just, you know, it, it's hard because, you know, for the last 60 years, you know, like, I don't, I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone who would say, who are the protagonists of Sleeping Beauty? Oh, the fairies. You know, the, no, they're, they're minor characters or support characters. They're, people the, wouldn't the have plot thought more to than say anyone them. else. Yeah. But, you know, they, they're there to, to help mm-hmm. ultimately more than anything. Yeah. Again, like the prince, I think story could be written mm-hmm. with them as a protagonist. You yeah. change just a, sl- a few things and it could be. Mm-hmm. So. Does that mean that Sleeping Beauty doesn't have a protagonist? Well, no, everyone, every, because a protagonist, now, because we're talking, we talked about what a protagonist has, but a, what a protagonist is in the movie is what? It's the character who has a strong desire that you basically follow throughout the course of the movie. Their de- their desire basically um, is hindered by different conflicts, and that com- those conflicts form the plot. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately, so, what they, yeah. you know, the things they learn on the course of the plot, you know, their conflicts, you know, give them to the point of, you know, making a decision that can lead to victory mm-hmm. or decisions that lead to defeat. Yeah. But to say it, so it's someone who, be, because they have, you know, a strong desire and storyline that they face opposition mm-hmm. from then what you call the antagonist. Right. And the an- antagonist could, you know, it doesn't yeah. have to be, you know, physical. Right. You know, I think we've talked yeah. before in other episodes that, you know, it can be, you know, it could be nature. Right. No, you yeah, know, yeah, It could yeah, be yeah. themselves. Yeah. So, but, so then my point is that that doesn't mean that a protagonist is a good person. No. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so. Unlike what we've come to think. Yeah. So is the protagonist Maleficent? She could be. Possibly. Now, again, full disclosure, I've, and Kristen hasn't either seen Maleficent, the movie. One uh, of Angelina Jolie. Yeah, it came out as a prequel to Sleeping Beauty, so it could be that this whole discussion we're about to have is totally moot because maybe that film answered those questions and maybe it didn't. Uh, I know. Someday no we'll idea. go look it up on eBay and get and a copy it. of it and find, <laughs> no, find and watch out. it, and then yeah. we'll probably delete this podcast because no, we'll just do a follow. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, <clears throat> let's go through steps one through six real quick Gosh. with Maleficent. Okay. Yes. So step number one: Does Maleficent have a desire? Oh well, yeah. From the very, from the, I mean, 
guess it's kind of hard maybe to pinpoint like why one but she well i get kind of the why i mean the why is because she feel she's she's all she feels all snubbed okay what i know the why it's the why is it such a big deal it's because she gets all huffy about not being invited to the princesses yeah. you know which and it's like in the real world it's like really is it that big you didn't get the invitation yeah. big deal yeah but i guess she's you know cranky enough that that makes her want to put a curse on the princess and so mm-hmm. it's her she's getting like she's getting revenge i guess it's her yeah, way I mean, of her, her desire yeah. to see the princess eliminated again you know i feel like yeah. there's in probably the most movie probably goes into more of why yeah. that's such a big deal the whole you know yeah. the, you know the snub and all that yeah you know the, the why you know the film doesn't get into mm-hmm. um but the desire to see the princess eliminated is there mm-hmm. we're beginning to end yeah essentially to destroy the family and the kingdom and yeah. all that but so number two does you know do her actions influence the plot and uh, yeah well, yeah do. without her there would be no plot exactly you know her Maleficent's actions hold the rest of the, the characters in check basically until Maleficent dies mm-hmm. ultimately you know from spending sixteen years searching for this princess mm-hmm. to facing her enemies in the climactic duel mm-hmm. you know there there isn't any there isn't any plot without yeah. her her ultimately yeah. um, and again you know. We, even though she does function as you know, as, as taking a step, taking a step back and looking at the story, how you know most people see it as the antagonist, the story can't exist without an antagonist. You know, mm-hmm. even if it, the antagonist is you know the protagonist self yeah. in a way. Um, but still, you know, with without her doing what she does, no one else is doing. Yeah, they're having another fun story. Yeah, something like that. Um, so the first, so the next bit, so number three is you know that kind of the first step we talked about. Yeah. And, you know, we kind of have to assume here, you know, it's implied that Maleficent's world is shaken when the princess is, is born um, and that she's snubbed and all that. We don't really know why, but we know we see we see the results of that action causes yeah. her to re- retaliate yeah. and place it a, a horrible curse on the little princess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, the film doesn't tell us why. Yeah. But she definitely does yeah. make, make a choice. Yeah. And, you yeah, know, yeah. A, a step out, you know, step out of her witch's door to do something. Yeah. In this mm-hmm. particular story. Um, so number four, the midpoint, you know, and while she appears to take this well, the moment when she realizes that all of her little cronies have been, <laughs> been searching for, for an infant the whole time. In every cradle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know that she went and had a fit somewhere after that. Well, she had a fit on them. She like, she, I mean, yeah, yeah. she does. Yeah. She casts all sort of little zaps at them. Mm-hmm. But at that moment, you know, I mean. Oh, yeah. If you think, you know, if I was an evil witch and realized my cronies have been doing the wrong thing for 16 years, I'd probably want to give up at that point. Yeah. yeah. But, you know. 16 years of hard work down the drain. As any good protagonist does. <laughs> she switches her tactics at that mm-hmm. point or, you know, and says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. She asks her bird yeah. to do it. <laughs> Should have asked the bird from the beginning. <laughs> Why are the birds always the best sidekicks? But the more I know, I was thinking about that it's today. Like I was thinking about the birds. Iago and Aladdin. I was thinking about all the birds in a, in the Disney movies: Zazu and Iago and yeah. Iago. Yeah. Does this bird have a name? Not that I know of. So doesn't even bird. talk. The bird. Yeah. The crow. He's but crow. he looks sneaky. Yeah. I mean, he's got you know. He yes. stares all creepily. Mm-hmm. Um. So mm-hmm. number five is basically. Um, Maleficent, she, she basically encounters a false victory when the princess, you know, pricks her finger and, and because, becomes Sleeping Beauty, you know, ultimately. She gets her curse fulfilled. Right. 
Um, but then the, fa- the fairies throughout the story make you know previous mention that Maleficent's weakness is that she does not and cannot understand what love is. Mm-hmm. And so while the film you know doesn't necessarily show Maleficent wrestling with this truth, you know any chance she has at redemption after the curse is complete is effectually annihilated. You know she, she well she also at would... that point she's so so beyond committed. Yeah. To, you know, the tragedy of her character yeah. that she, she can't, well, and, or arguably she can't go back at that yeah. point. Well, and she also wouldn't be able to, if she can't understand really, can't really understand love, she wouldn't be able to see how her curse could be defeated. Right. Yeah. So at that so. point, you know, she she's taken the lie she's believed and, you know, uh-huh. makes a point of no return yeah. from there. Whereas, you know, a good character would have taken all that and say, okay, mm-hmm. I've learned this and this is how I'm going to apply it to go on towards, yeah. you know, victory. Yeah. You know. Our our style of victory, yeah. You know, and you know her again. I don't know what the Maleficent movie did, or if any, if they even touched on the Sleeping yeah. Beauty arc at all. You mm-hmm. know, if it goes that far into it, um, you know, we just have to assume that you yeah. know that's you know she's committed at that point, one mm-hmm. way or another. Mm-hmm. That's you know we were talking another another podcast episode. I feel like, how that's and I really feel like the second point of no return. And I feel like the turning into a dragon is like super like, super committed that, that, that takes a while to recover from that i would assume because <laughs> she's watching everything from her tower yeah and finally it gets to the point where she's like okay enough is enough i'm getting in there myself and she does her whole yeah yeah transform thing so number six you know unlike sleeping Speaking beauty of. um maleficent knows who her enemies are self-made or not and she herself leads the princess to her doom and battles the princess's defender. Mm-hmm. You know, basically all confrontations go through the evil, the evil mm-hmm. witch. Ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, she she fights everyone. You know, even mm-hmm. as the when Sleeping Beauty is here, the princess, you know, is not blissfully unaware, but unaware with this green light is. Mm-hmm. You know, Maleficent knows very well that this is you know what she thinks is the moment of her victory. It uh-huh. ends up being you know false, def- you know, false victory, of course. Yeah. Um, but she, yeah. She confronts everyone. Uh-huh. Yeah, is all also good antagonists do. Uh-huh. So yeah. there's there's that. Yeah. So I think if we follow this line of reasoning, all these thick things, which Maleficent is the only one to have met so far. Yeah. Sleeping Beauty would be called the tragedy of Maleficent. <laughs> well, and actually, I thought I thought about this a while ago um, near the beginning of the podcast. I think. The name that the title of the movie, The Sleeping Beauty, is not maybe it's not because she's supposed to be the main character. Mm-hmm. She's the object that everyone is after. Right, right. And that's totally okay. You know, like the, like the Holy Grail. Yeah, she's like the Holy Grail. Like right. the Holy Grail doesn't do anything, but it's what everyone is after. Right. Yeah. No. And there's and there's absolutely nothing wrong with the title Sleeping yeah. Beauty at all. Yeah. You know, I think you know titles should do you know a couple of things. You know, titles should you know sum up an important aspect of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's either you know like The Hobbit. Yeah. It's about The Hobbit. Yeah, you know, you know that's you know what it's about. Uh-huh. But, you know, the title of Tolkien's second entry, Lord of the Rings, is you know, the title of the antagonist. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah. There's it could be a variety of different things, like you said. There's mm-hmm. you know, you know, um, the Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. There is you know other plot points you could touch on. You know, Schindler's List, mm-hmm. Minority Report. Yeah. You know, other characters. Yeah, Schindler's List is a good point because Schindler's List refers to the actual list, which mm-hmm. is a prop. Right. It's not a character. Right. You know, yeah. it's a... It's in a, Minority Report, it's an idea. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. It's not yeah. an actual, you know... Yeah. Yes, I guess it is somewhat of a tangible thing you can, you know, yeah. deal with. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not a character or anything. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there are characters, you know, King Kong, yeah. Lord of the Rings, Beetlejuice, 
you know, yeah, to yeah, represent yeah. the story in, in title form. Mm-hmm. You know, titles absolutely don't need to be reflective of the protagonists. Yeah. You know, again, but they should up, sum up a st- the story. Mm-hmm. And they, to an extent, they should entice potential audiences to read and, and watch, you know, further. You know, mm-hmm. the Lord of the Rings sounds mysterious. Yeah. And this is where you just get super subjective because, you know, it can be titled a million different things. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, for, I hate for, coming up with titles. For, for better and for, for worse. You know, just please... No clickbait titles. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. your your detective jewel heist comedy shouldn't be named after a mythical jungle cat. I'm looking at you, Pink Panther. Mm. Growing up watching the Pink Panther cartoon, I was beyond disappointed when the live action movie was about a jewel. That's deceitful. And that's oh, really wicked. Oh yeah, yeah. And of course, I'm kidding. To an I was, extent, I was going to say because, like, but the cartoon actually was a Pink Panther. Yeah, oh, the but movie the, was the movie. Yeah. The movie isn't. I was just so so upset when I, yeah. you know, oh again, I was a kid. I yeah. realized there's no Pink Panther in this outside of the opening <laughs> title. How did? I'm sure there's a story there that I love to hear. Yeah. You know, how did they it, get away with that? Get, yeah, to become a, a jewel, a famous jewel. I yeah. mean, again, fun movies for sure. Yeah. Um. No, but again, you know, the title should, like, you know, like we said, entice you know potential mm-hmm. audiences to yeah. to to read and watch for give give a little bit of mystery. Yeah. You know, think of like the Born Identity. You know, that just sounds mm-hmm. you know a little bit mysterious, a little clandestine. Clandestine is that how you clandestine. say the word? Clandestine, not clandestine. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I I pronounce words wrong too much. <laughs> Um, but so going back to the title, you know, Sleeping Beauty is you know a fantastic title for sure. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. It's you know it's a clever it's clever it really yeah. is. Um, you know the the title the tragedy of Maleficent might be a more apt title, you know, but but it's not. You know there there is a happily ever 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 after. Good wins as yeah. it should. You know, and because you know, which, from our perspective, it's not a tragedy. It's a tragedy right. for her character, but for us, it's a victory. Exactly. You know, and does that mean the Sleeping Beauty is a tragedy disguised as a fairy tale, or, or vice versa? And you know, I would say mm-hmm. that is you know, is difficult it is to say about you know a tale that's this beloved you know sixty years you mm-hmm. know still you know you know yeah. it's you know followed several generations and audiences love it. Yeah, and I incorrectly thought that the Disney logo was Sleeping Beauty's title until you told me that it was actually <laughs> <castle>. Cinderella's castle. <laughs> but yeah. I've grown up my entire life thinking that was Sleeping Beauty's castle. Really? So, oh. so I always thought, you know, well, this movie's got to have something good because Disney <laughs> uses it as their logo. No. And that's not entirely. No. <laughs> it's not even entirely true. It's just not true. No. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think the main problem is, you know, Sleeping Beauty with Sleeping Beauty is that it chose the wrong protagonists, ultimately. You know, Maleficent is ultimately too despicable for us to care, you know, about as, as a protagonist. Mm-hmm. But her character fits the, yeah. the role better than all the other characters, you know. Yeah. The fairies are mentors. Um, Prince Philip is, Philip is largely non-existent in the first half. Mm-hmm. And Sleeping Beauty is boring and doesn't take any actions. Yeah. Um, so I just, I don't think you can clearly answer this question. I think mm-hmm. if you simply went by, you know, the story structure the and the logic and all that, Maleficent would be... But it but doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense for the sake of for the sake of the story. Yeah. At all. So mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of the logic and the emotions all side of things, yeah. dueling it out and nobody wins. Yeah. It's like a tie in football, in a way. <laughs> Except a really bad tie. Yeah. So my my ultimate thought is hopefully when Disney produces the inevitable live action version, both Philip and the princess will be fleshed out, provided with deep, meaningful desires. 
given plot-driven actions that fuel us to mm-hmm. wholeheartedly root for them as characters and yeah. not representations of what could have been. Well, and and I think and I think it could be done. I have hope for it because their live-action Cinderella was so well done. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Disney, the animated Cinderella is a lot better as far as what we're discussing mm-hmm. as far, you know, Cinderella is clearly the protagonist and it meets all those things. But, you know, but turn it, what they turned it into for the live action was just so, so well done. Right. I think I think they could do the same with Sleeping Beauty. And I hope they will. Yeah. I mean, again, it was a different age of storytelling for sure. And well, I, you know, yeah. I know I've ripped on Sleeping Beauty yeah. a little bit today and there's, a lot of people, a lot of people that I respect who truly love this, this story. And, you know, and it, it is a, a good story. It's, it's a good tale of, a fun tale of good versus evil. It's and a feel-good, yeah. There's a lot of fun It's fun a feel-good tale of good versus evil. Right. It, it really is. You know, they're, and true love's kiss. You know, I mean, yeah, they're pure-hearted characters and, you know, fairies who, you know, bicker amongst Hilarious. themselves. But just, yeah, have fun <laughs> and, and want to, you know, do do good in the world. <laughs> and it's it's a story that, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to have, you know, my kids watch. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it is good versus evil. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just again seeing how many other great stories there are from that time. You know, with deep characters mm-hmm. like Cinderella, it's just in my mind, it's a shame that the characters weren't fleshed out the way the other Disney characters, you know, yeah. were were at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's 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 a comparison. Yeah, um, and it's it's yeah. I, I hate making comparisons, but in this case, just having seen so many Disney movies and then coming to see this one, which was made, mm-hmm. you know, during I guess one of the yeah. golden eras of Disney. It's yeah. It's just lacking, yeah. and it's, I, I was disappointed. I think when I, I'm trying to think of all the other Disney princesses, I think she's the only one. She's the only Disney princess that doesn't do anything in her own movie. Right. <laughs> like, everyone else, like, I think you could argue every other Disney princess is either the protagonist or close to it. Yeah. Maybe not all of them, but... I can't think of them all off the top of my head yeah. right now, but the ones I can think of, I think, I think it's I definitely think the case. I Jas- think Princess Jasmine's probably not the protagonist, because no, no, I mean, that's Aladdin. Yeah. But but at least she has more going on than Sleeping Beauty. Right. But still. Yeah. yeah. And, she, well, and she's in the story a lot more, and oh, yeah. her actions have more... She has desires and yeah, actions. You know, yeah. You know, influences the plot more. But anyways, yeah, I think... <laughs> poor Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> so, let's just, you know, let's hope that the, the live-action version, you know, Fleshes things out a little bit more. Um, but I think suffice to say that, you know, again, Maleficent, you know, checks the boxes, but isn't a satisfying answer. So we're just going to no. say this movie just, let's just say it doesn't have a protagonist. <laughs> this movie has some flaws. This movie has, has a few flaws. Yeah. So, no, we'll, we'll leave you to decide you know, who the you think the protagonist is. Um, I know this, this kind of episode um, and also the corresponding article on the website you know, probably makes a few people a little bit antsy or upset that, you know, we kind of ripped apart, you know, a story that's loved so much. But, you know, we'd be interested in hearing your thoughts. Yeah. Um, you know, is this, you know, is our analysis something that you agree with? Are we missing anything at all? Um, who do you think the protagonist is? So feel free to um, check us out at seekingstories.com. Um, you can look for the the blog post article that uh, corresponds uh, with this episode and feel free to comment and discuss further and we'd be happy to hear from you. So thank you again for listening uh, to this week's episode of the Seeking Stories podcast. Uh, hopefully we'll have another episode out next week. We usually say we will. And not in another month. <laughs> right. But, you know, sleep deprivation from having a newborn definitely yeah, wow. might shake a few of those plans a little bit. So <laughs> intention is to have another episode up next week. Uh, again, if you're watching this in 2019 or after, you'll know if we met that goal or not. Uh, but again, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to uh, reading your comments on the on the post. Have a great rest of your week.